talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yes. Another another week, another Netflix movie, baby. <laughs> Thank goodness for Netflix. I they're know. keeping us on air. Yeah, they're, they're going to clean up in the uh, Oscars, I think. I mean, it's time to prove that they're uh, at the front of the film industry, at least according to them. I I don't know. There was a there was a lot of really quality material that <laughs> yeah. came out in the first half of this year. Shelby. What Let's if the know. Oscars are like the Tonys and they're like, mm, no, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's just underwater and birds of prey and that's it. If it was Tony, yeah. They, well, if it's like the Tonys, every movie gets not gets one nomination except for one movie, and that it's like, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, yeah. Underwater. You're yeah. the only film this year that did not get a nomination. <laughs> a travesty. Uh. But before we get started, we have a review Ooh, to read. Fun. It's been so long. Yes. I know. And this is a great one, too. Honestly, the reviewers, I feel like, get me. So thank you oh, to no. the reviewers. Okay. This is from Girl 7 who says, five stars, Hubie Halloween for okay. the win. <laughs> yes. Okay, I found this podcast through Swiftish Lover episode, but quickly became hooked on this conversational and hilarious podcast. I didn't quite realize how big a part of my weekly routine they were until they took their recent one-week hiatus, but in the name of hashtag self-care, I'm happy they could take a quick break. (laughs) Every other review is right. Listening to one of their episodes does feel like listening to a fun conversation between friends. Matt may... I know. Here we go. Matt may also be my soulmate, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) I'm absolutely sold on this sweet and fun pop culture podcast, which always gives me just enough information to not feel lost, even if I'm not familiar with the pop culture topic they're reviewing. (laughs) Love these guys. Aww. Wow. Look at us. We're freaking nailing it. I know. And I found my soulmate right here in the review section. Yeah, I'm so happy for you guys. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. What is it? It's Lexi90. Lexi, some Lexi, oh, Lexi girl, something. <laughs> I, it's gone. I closed. I closed well, it. I'm happy for you both that you found Thank each other. That <laughs> I could play a part in this moment in time. Honestly, yeah. Uh, uh, so go leave us a review if you haven't. We're slowly, slowly <laughs> getting to a hundred reviews, people. So we really need to step up the game. Yeah, it's our New Year's resolution. Was that our New Year's resolution this year? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just emotionally i, I mean i guess we we yet. have two more months we have two more months we yeah, can get there right. we you're i right. believe in us we can get there um but you can also follow us on social media at psu run shall we tell them about the giveaway that we have going on yes we are giving away um i guess digital copies for viewing love and monsters the new dylan o'brien monster romance drama comedy i don't know um it looks good to me it looks it looks like the internet agrees with me um matt will maybe like it too i don't know but you can enter to win so check us out at ps you're wrong on instagram and uh twitter for any updates on that yeah and you can also always send us an email at psurong at gmail.com if you have thoughts on my beloved Hubie Halloween or the trial of Chicago 7 or just any other thoughts that are just floating around in your brain that you feel like we should address on air yeah yeah. we're all lonely so speaking into the void is all we can do yes I I once read like a 
an article about some woman who like I don't know was like feeling lonely I guess and like every day called the Starbucks like customer service number and just like had a conversation with whichever customer service person like picked up the phone working for Starbucks (laughs) and I was like that is so strange but maybe you could be that just sending us random emails about your life I'll read them yeah it'll be good for someone in that scenario yeah (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you want any advice from me on your life, but I will read your email. (laughs) But okay, we are now talking about the movie, The Trial of the Chicago 7, which came out on Netflix. This is, I think this is the first of Netflix's sort of like fall lineup of big, like dramatic Oscar potential films. This Mm. is about, this is from Aaron Sorkin. Who he Aaron Sorkin wrote and directed. He wrote The West Wing. I think is probably the thing that he's like most famous for. But he also did The Social Network and Moneyball and Steve Jobs. This is only the second movie he's directed, though. Um, mm. And it's about this trial that took place in like the seventies, I think. <laughs> uh, that had to deal with like an anti-Vietnam War it protesters who yeah. were like cons- yeah, conspiracy. Yeah. I don't, were you familiar at all with this story beforehand? Because I had no idea. No, what was but going that on. just speaks to our education system. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. I the first I heard of this movie actually was last week when you're like, "Oh, we're doing this movie," and I was like, "I've never heard of this. Never seen anything about it." I watched the oh, trailer really? and I was like. Oh, this looks boring and very, 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 very white. But I was pleasantly surprised. I I feel like I've been hearing about this for months now. Oh, really? But I guess I don't know. <laughs> Maybe and you're in, in that like circles. Eddie Redmayne like fanboy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah. That I do. I do news? follow all the Eddie Redmayne, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen stan accounts. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's that that's mostly sense. what I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't. So I missed this one. I had a similar vibe watching this to watching Mrs. America earlier this year mm-hmm. where I was like, there is history here that they are assuming that I know that I do not. <laughs> and I have no idea like what sort of the context for this. Like I was able to piece it together eventually kind of, but I was like, we, uh, we are on different levels of, <laughs> if you think I know who some of these people are, because like, I do not. Wait, where is the um, big fat liar reference? I <laughs> can't compute. <laughs> well, it's like the protesters are protesting the Democratic Convention for 1968, which... And they are also Democrats, so they're protesting it because Lyndon Johnson was the president. But then Lyndon Johnson isn't at the convention. But then it's Richard Nixon who's going after them in the court. So I was just like, "Wait, I'm confused. The, like, who? What's the objective here? War. It's the anti-war. Yes. It's you know, it's the counterculture right. protest. But I guess the I was just like confused as to like who they like." Which person they were protesting? I don't. I got. I sort of figured it out eventually, but I was a little lost during that part. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it was less about like specifically the DNC and more like, well, there's this big event happening, a big political event. Like, let's make our voices heard. You mm-hmm. know. Yes. Yeah. No, it was interesting. I feel like um, I get your point because there are like a lot of references to political figures and honestly, like presidential <laughs> nominees that I did not know their names. And um, so there is sort of a level of distance 
watching as, you know, millennials and I'm sure anyone younger than us too. But I feel like overall they did a good job of energizing the audience because the trailer was so dry and so boring to me that I really thought I was in for like sort of like, yeah, the West Wing style, like judicial (laughs) court system scene. But I thought they had fun, as much fun as you can with the content, but they had fun kind of playing with the timeline and and kind of the the uh, going back and forth not giving you the full like it's not a chronological yes. mm-hmm. s- uh storytelling board so it's not like you get the full riots and then you get the trial it's much more haphazard and it kind of moves in a lot more fast-paced energetic way i think that came at the cost of some details but i think overall reading about the movie uh, compared to the actual events, they tr- they did their best to be like true to the facts. Okay, so I think that the what actually happened, like the plot, is that all of these different groups of people were protesting the Vietnam War at the 1968 Democratic Convention, like sort of separate from each other, like these different political kind of groups or um, protesting groups. And then Richard Nixon was like, I don't like all of these hippies who are protesting the war. So we're just going to basically pick a smattering of them who are leading these various organizations, hit them all with the same criminal charges that they were stirring up a riot and that there was a conspiracy going on. And then we're going to drag them all through this long court case that the government has already sort of like decided that who is going to win and like has all of the evidence planted and, and it's this huge conspiracy uh, against these liberal anti-war activists. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the way that the, the way that Sorkin writes the script, it sort of like follows the plot of the, of the case I get, or of like the trial, oh, yeah. but then it keeps going back and, and showing flashbacks and kind of like flash sideways and things. So it's really, it, it is much more interesting than just like a straightforward chronology. So I did like that. I also found it slightly confusing as I was watching it, but I liked it. <laughs> it was a good, like energy energizing uh, force. Yeah. Yeah. And like, this is a huge cast obviously. And you know, it is very white just because that's how it, played out you know the Chicago 7 were all white plus you had Bobby Seal who was from the Black Panthers played by Yaha Yahya Abdul-Mateen II and um and so he was there <laughs> and there were a couple women smattered in there in some in some secretarial uh, roles yes. <laughs> but all together it was a very big cast of some pretty big names um obviously like we said Eddie Redmayne who I I think might be his first American accent. I don't know. I feel like it's the first time I've seen him attempt it. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of, I don't know. He's done. Well, he's else. doing he's doing something in Jupiter Ascending, uh, yeah, but yeah, it yeah. is not. It's not really, <laughs> not American, really American. But yeah, so bless his heart. He tried here. He looked very much your your no your I don't know sort of. Uh, like dorky democratic uh, yeah like <laughs> you're political i don't know what's the male like, equivalent of a wasp you know what i mean like something like isn't that isn't isn't a wa- can't a wasp be male oh i guess you're right 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah white he's like sort of. He's like yeah. Yeah, he's sort of waspy because yeah. there's these multiple political groups. So there's like him and his friend who are sort of like the young like Democrats of Yale or whatever. You know, like that's like the vibe that they've got going on that they're protesting. And then Sasha Baron Cohen, like of Borat fame, and Jeremy Strong, <laughs> who is Kendall in uh, Succession, are sort of like the hippy dippy like long hair beard yeah. uh, people that they. So they're so they're all lumped together in this trial because Nixon is like I want all of these people. So it's interesting to see yeah. them all interact. We and also then... have Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's playing the prosecutor, um, you know the 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 bad guy who's trying to get yes. these guys caught. You also have, um, I mean, I don't know them all by name, but I was like, oh, There's I know like that face. <laughs> Mark Rylance, who uh, is from Bridge of Spies, is the defense attorney. Frank Langella is this like evil, corrupt judge that is presiding over the case. Kelvin Harrison Jr. from My Beloved Waves uh, <laughs> is in it as as uh, some kind of Black Panther leader, yeah. friend of... I, I was unclear exactly <laughs> what his role was, but he was there in the trial. Not on trial, but like whispering things. So. Yeah, yeah, doing his best. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, even... Uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Michael then there's Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yeah, he yes. pops up um, as the old attorney general. And uh, so, yeah, it was a big cast. I think it was interesting to watch them all. Because, um, yeah, you kind of have these vibes with Netflix movies where they either blow you away and you're like, wow, this should have been, this could have been any other, you know, it could have been a theatrical release, like whatever. I get it. It's great. But then you also have some that you're like, oh, I get why this is a Netflix movie. And I feel like this one towed the line a little bit because sometimes it felt a little bit, (laughs) I don't know, like a little bit more, I don't know if cheesy is the right word, but kind of more simplistic than something like Defy Bloods with someone like Spike Lee. Um, But, and I guess that makes sense since Aaron Sorkin's not really a uh, seasoned director of movies. But I felt like altogether I was really engaged by it. I was really surprised by it and how much I enjoyed it. And ultimately, I think some of that came from the time we're in now, which I'm sure is just happenstance that this seems to mirror a lot of the protests Mm -hmm. we saw this summer and the reaction of the government to some of those. And um, obviously, there's a lot here about the corruption of the justice system and you know judges and the and just how this is all it all feels strangely timely even though this is taking place in 1969 yeah yeah i think that was just very i mean not good luck on the part of the uh filmmaking (laughs) but but yes it like was a coincidence because aaron sorkin i guess originally wrote this script back in 2007 and sasha baron cohen has been attached from the beginning he was always going to play abby hoffman (laughs) but otherwise the cast has switched a bunch of times like will smith was supposed to be in it at one point heath ledger was supposed to be in it at one point so it's been a while and the other interesting thing that i didn't know until after i had watched it was that this wasn't originally a netflix movie this Mm. was one of those movies that was shot for something else i think it was shot for paramount and then due to coronavirus they were trying to sell off property so netflix bought it from them oh interesting so this wasn't like a netflix produced film which i think is also interesting but it does sort of yeah it did have a a bit of a vibe to it for me yeah Um, so did you like it or were you not were you kind of meh you know i was kind of meh about it Mm -hmm. i 
I feel like we get a couple of these type of movies every year. These like political, like either whistleblower things. or uh, like journalism kind right. of movie. I, I, got, I don't know if it's because of like Michael Keaton, but I was like I'm thinking <laughs> about the spotlight, you know, uh, uh, thinking about the post, right. just like a bunch of those type of movies. And that's a ty- that's a genre that I really enjoy and usually really love. And I felt like this was a bit slow and stodgy for me mm. in parts. And I also think that it suffered in just having so many characters, yeah. which because it's real and because there's these, it's the Chicago seven, like that's the name of it. You can't really like trim that down. But I feel like if this was, if you were fictionalizing this, you'd be like, okay, let's bring this from seven to like three or, you know, <laughs> it's like, like it felt like that there, there was just a lot of different strings going right. on. And I felt at points that it was a bit, chaotic i don't know Mm. when i finished it i did not feel as roused as i did watching something like the post or like spotlight (laughs) um or or even that movie dark waters last year with like mark ruffalo or was that two years ago mark ruffalo i don't know like i I, so i like this one for me honestly but it i don't know it was this for me this this for me also was giving me ford v ferrari vibes like that's the that's (laughs) where i would lump it in like in the kind of like dad whatever like i don't know it was (laughs) it was what it was it was it was well done but not necessarily like my favorite thing yeah i was like i said i was surprised by how i liked it i felt like it um was energizing enough that I didn't mind when I lost track of characters' names or um, who they were referencing or what their strategy was. Like, there's this aha moment where they realize they can call on on Michael Keaton's character, and I was like, I have no idea what they just <laughs> realized, but oh, yeah, I'm happy either. for them, you know? And I felt mm-hmm. like I liked how they played with the timeline, and I, I also was pleasantly surprised by... The cast, I think, honestly, for me, Eddie Redmayne was probably, like, the weak link in a lot of ways. Oh, well, yes. Uh-huh. But I was pleasantly surprised by the yippies, um, Jeremy Strong, who was having a fun time. And I I have never, like, gotten a good read on him because I feel like his role in Succession is very much just him showing up and, and not smiling for days. But here Mm -hmm. he had like a comedic timing that was very fun to watch. And I felt like I was really in on that. And I would have I would have been down for a spinoff of just that storyline. And (laughs) same with Sasha. um, Oh, man, I always forget. Baron Baron Cohen, who is always a little too extra for me. But I feel like while he felt a little old for this role, ultimately, he really worked well in it, even if his accent struggled sometimes. So I feel like just all together, I was really, <laughs> I don't know. I was engaged by it. And I was very like, uh, I think just the story, especially with um, Bobby Seale's character, uh, the mm-hmm. the Black Panther character's storyline, like a lot of it was just like so frustrating and enraging and and kind of validating in today's world too, like I was saying. And so it felt like I was happy to bear witness to this story that, like you said, we've Mm -hmm. never encountered before. And I think this film did a good job of making it very accessible and kind of um, entertaining, but also ultimately kind of rousing in a way. Yeah. And it did feel very relevant. And I thought it, it was very powerful in the way that, 
you're watching this, these things take place 50 years ago and going, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And then realizing that they're still taking place now, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of sickening, but at the same time, I think is really powerful. And I agree that I think that the some of the most fun parts of the movie are the performances. Like, I really, mm-hmm. really liked Sasha Baron Cohen and Jeremy Strong. Michael Keaton really only has, like, two scenes, but I feel like he's having a good time in those and was fun to watch. And Frank Langella as the evil judge yeah. is—he's also sort of like chewing on the scenery <laughs> and banging his gavel and shouting at people. So it, it'll be interesting, I think, to see what they try to do with this for the Oscars because there's lots of performances here where that you feel like could sort of be Oscar worthy. Mm-hmm. But like, which ones do you go with? And is there a lead? Like, I guess Eddie Redmayne maybe, but I don't think he is. Like, he's not yeah. doing anything here that I feel like is going to get him nominated. <laughs> yeah, well, he's won before. But I feel like the lead, I guess, yeah, it'd be hard for this to have any sort of lead because it really is, like, all over the place. And you think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to have more skin in the game, but then he kind of disappears through the yeah. second half of the movie. And you obviously have um, the defense attorney who who's just like really good to watch. I, I just like really enjoy him, even though he's very quiet in this and kind of subdued, mm-hmm. but I feel like he obviously is acting circles around some of these other um, smaller cast mm-hmm. members. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like ultimately it'll depend on what else comes out this year. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I do feel like sort of the adults in the movie, the more, um, the older, more established actors have a better shot of getting attention like Frank Langella or um, Mark Rylance. And so that's where I think the Academy would skew is more towards those old timers. I also, I mean, I think that Sasha Baron Cohen is really good in this and I don't know whether or not that the Oscar voters are going to be like, he's Borat, we're not giving him anything, <laughs> or he's Borat and he's not Borat in this. Like, he's doing a <laughs> a better, like, let's give him a nomination. I don't know. I'd be surprised by that if only because I feel like his accent would kind of come and go in strange ways. Yes, that's and true. And so I don't know if that's too nit- nitpicky, but it seems like... You know, if you can't nail the accent, then you didn't nail the role, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. That's true. I, I, I'm mostly, I just want Jeremy Strong to be <laughs> I think he's so fun in this. Yeah. I Love honestly him. really don't know him from anything else but Succession. And um, even his... Well, own- he's a character actor, usually. So it's yeah. like, if you look at his IMDb, it's full of things that you've seen, but you're like, oh, he was the... B- boyfriend or the shopkeeper (laughs) or whatever you know he's just all of those kind of weird roles yeah yeah so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out I mean I think enough of this is respected and obviously the timeliness of it will play into the popularity of it um Mm -hmm. I think this would still have been like a well-received film in another year it just might have been buried by other fall releases but Mm -hmm. I don't see it as I don't see it as surprising that it, you know, it got um, uh, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes and like 76% on Metacritic. Like a lot of people, the audience score is high. Like a lot of people like it. And so I feel like this is a movie that would have always worked well. Um, 
And I think that speaks to sort of what Aaron Sorkin attempted and kind of what the cast brought to the table, too. I could see it being a movie that in a normal year sort of gets forgotten because there's not a ton of like real flashy things going on in it. But I wonder if this year, because there's really not a lot of competition, if that's helpful for it or if because the nomination window is so long if by the time we get to february and people are voting on the nominees if this movie will have been completely forgotten by then yeah (laughs) but i guess it i guess it really depends a lot on what comes afterwards because this does feel like it's going to be one of the bigger kind of budget ensemble things that are out i feel like the stuff that i've heard is coming out later that could be eligible for oscars is more like Two women in an attic with like a, <laughs> uh, you know, b- bodice romance, you know, like that yeah. kind of a thing that's much quieter and not like a million people in 70s clothes. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just like it's a fun movie, surprisingly. And I feel like that's why I'd be one to recommend it. Like, I think the word of mouth on this is going to go further than something like, I don't know, even the Five Bloods, which is just a lot heavier in a lot of ways. And Spike Lee does a lot more uh, sort of, you know, he has a different style and a much more unique Mm -hmm. expression in his directing. And so this just feels like it could scratch a lot of different audiences itches without Mm -hmm. ostracizing any of them. So I feel like, I don't know, (laughs) people will keep watching it, but maybe that's just overly optimistic. No, I I agree with you. I feel like that the audience that gave Green Book Oh, yeah. Best picture win <laughs> is an audience that is going to also like this. You know what I mean? Well, that's just rude. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying not not that this movie is anything really like that, but I could yeah. see like it's that like <laughs> like if you're a 65 year old male yeah. uh, white Oscar voter living, uh, you know, in the suburbs of L.A. in your mansion, this feels like a movie that <laughs> one, you'd be like, I lived through this. Like, I remember I was at that convention. But then yeah. also that you would like there's nothing really that offensive here that anyone would be turned off by it i was interested i was sort of surprised though that it wasn't the number one movie on netflix or at least when i checked that hubie halloween was higher (laughs) than it still so look at you still doing your doing the work i guess streaming Mm -hmm. that continuously Gotta get those. Uh, gotta get those Taylor Swift uh, merch points. You stream yeah. Hubie Halloween on three different incognito browsers, so I can get those. The what was the boost points? Yeah, and I also bought a bunch of ten different DVD I copies would, of Hubie Halloween. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think too, it's like one of those movies that I can see lingering, like especially as people yes. move past like Emily in Paris and Hubie Halloween. Finally, um. I feel like this Chicago 7 will maybe linger a little longer at the top of Netflix. But then Did again, you watch Emily in Paris? Oh, no, I couldn't. I just I don't have the energy to hate watch something right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I do it like almost every week on this podcast, honestly. So that's where my <laughs> that's where it goes. Except for this week, yeah. which I was like, Shelby's going to hate this. And now you like it more than I do. I know. I I mean, that's the thing, right? Is. Yeah, it's very white and obviously very male, and it's easy to be frustrated by that. But I think it's saving grace is one that it's an interesting story to tell, especially in today's landscape. And so I was <laughs> relieved by that enough that I 
I could appreciate that. You know what? This doesn't even come close to passing the Bechdel test. And <laughs> I really just, yeah. There, <laughs> they they made no effort to put a woman in. Oh, there yeah. is not a wife. There is not a, <laughs> a, there is like someone in the courtroom with a typewriter typing up notes. <laughs> and what? There's somebody, no, there's, there's a the, woman at there's the. the police t- undercover agent. Oh, yeah. The undercover lady. Yeah. And then there's someone at the, like, like, secretary. The headquarters. Yeah. Taking phone calls. But <laughs> yeah. and they never interact with each other and they really aren't given much to chew on. And I don't. I don't know enough about the riots of 1968 to know if there were any women leaders in the crowd, but you know what? I'm well, I'm glad all I the women were at whatever that convention is was in Mrs. America. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. all uh, these conventions. So, this has been a, a year later. for conventions. Yeah, so many. Yeah. Well, they went to like ten in that show, yeah. so <laughs> this one could have been. Yeah, so I bet it was I guess, at least mentioned. You know, they were like, look at that female ensemble. I guess we'll just whip together this movie about a bunch of dudes chumming it up in court and it'll be fun and we'll just roll with it. But I thought it was I thought it was cool and I really did like the like there's a sort of the I don't know. I don't know if there's a climax in this movie, but sort of the more uh energized scenes is when Eddie Redmayne's character is like put me on the stand and they're like well you were on tape literally inciting a riot so maybe not and you get this kind of back and forth between the riot scenes and then them practicing for this trial and I feel like things like that really worked well for me because when you do have a straightforward sort of biopic where it's like here let's watch this scene and then we'll talk about it after it just loses the I don't know, the oomph, the little, <laughs> the zhuzh of it all. And so this was like, you really wanted to see what happened next and you kept being interrupted, but then it kept working because the intensity was building. And I just, I really thought that was a good choice on their part. You know, what is really interesting that I only just now thought about is that Aaron Sorkin also did the most recent uh, To Kill a Mockingbird stage adaption oh. that was on Broadway. I don't know if you saw that at not. all. It was like a couple of years ago, I think. Um, but... He did the exact same thing with that, where instead of following the plot of the book, he basically set the whole thing during the court case, and then everything else was just flashbacks. Mm. So you kept like jumping back and forth from the court case, which I did think worked in that as well, just because it breaks up the really long courtroom scenes right. that are in you know the movie and book of To Kill Mockingbird, which I also love, yeah. but sort of. For the stage, I thought it worked well. Yeah. So, interesting. I'm, I'm also a sucker for legal dramas for whatever reason. Like, I don't know if you guys watched Runaway Jury. Oh, I love <laughs> Runaway Jury. I know. Oh, my gosh. I that movie, too. though, was so much better than this. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I could say that. But I think it has a similar idea where, yeah, instead of doing a straight, like, a straight lace, like, the order in the court type of thing. There's a lot more, I don't know. Runaway jury, though, we got, like, well, car chase. They're, like, like, they're drug- like drugging <laughs> yeah, jurors. Like, it's great. Yeah. But it just reminded me of There's sort of romance. That. It, it reminded mm. me of that sort of, like, old, like, I don't know. Just, yes. like, this fun like of a, a Tom courtroom, Pr- Like, the firm or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I do love yeah. a legal drama. And so this, while it was ultimately very frustrating, I was left very annoyed by our justice system. I was like, man, like they did a good job of just 
irritating you with the way it worked, especially with this corrupt judge and especially with the sort of swung um, jury and, and the treatment of the Black Panthers and just the little nuances that they threw in there, I thought were just like really clever and allowed it to be a little bit more elevated than something like Green Book, which just totally, totally just whitewashed a very (laughs) black history anyways. But this was like, I think they did a good job of really focusing on the tension of the anti-war movement and the showmanship on both sides of this sort of fake trial that they were all on. Also, just like how much wasted money there is in the U.S. government. Yeah. Like this trial went on for like, what, a year or something? Oh, yeah. Like just so many days. And basically just because this judge got to do whatever he wanted. And then they had an appeal and they were like, yeah, no, this is stupid. Yeah. Like we're dropping all of these charges. So oh, yeah. it's like what like what was the point of this <laughs> ruse? I mean, I know that Nixon and them mm, were just trying to yeah. prove a point, but it's like. My gosh. Yeah. No, it was so frustrating. And I think that was also a worthy, a a good reminder to people watching these sort of movies that like, oh, yeah, this isn't like this isn't always working for the people like you think it is. And I think that is also a valuable reminder these days, too. It's like the third season of uh, Serial. Did you ever listen to that? (laughs) That was good. No, but. Um, Okay. Now, later or never. I would say now. I mean, what else are you watching? Emily in Paris? Get over it. Hubie Halloween. (laughs) Shall be Hubie Halloween. No one wants to watch that. No, people do. (laughs) Objectively, more people wanted to watch Hubie Halloween than The Trial of the Chicago 7. That's that's real life truth. (laughs) I would say, I I mean, fine, now, whatever. But also (laughs) later. I mean, if you want to wait and see if this gets nominations and stuff or, you know, I'm I'm not in any huge hurry. Although it is shorter than I thought it was going to be. I thought for sure this was going to be one of those like three hour kind of things. And it was only a little over two. So that was a blessing. Yeah, it moves fast. It's I don't know. I hear what you say about it being too big of a cast. But it also meant that I feel like things just were quicker. It was just like, yeah, you didn't have to care about anyone or their marriages or their family life. It's just like, let's just hit all these beats and get through this. (laughs) But wouldn't it have been great if... uh, Claire Foy had been in it and, you know, like got to come and been like, you are a bunch of boys. Like, wouldn't that have been great? I would have loved that. Sure. Okay. Lightning round questions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. If you had to marry one of the Chicago seven, mm. which would you marry? And, and like the character, not right, the actor, right, right. I guess. I guess I would marry. I think I'd be happiest with the, um, the middle-aged dad who's already happily married and has a kid but i really liked his character arc small though it was of just being a the conscientious objector yeah. where he was just so nice but then he eventually turned around yeah. and decked one of the bailiffs yeah i was into exactly. that that was an energy yeah, i liked it felt relatable <laughs> it's growth what about you i think i would have probably gone for the uh the guy who got hit in the head at the rally oh, like yeah, um the little nerd Eddie Redmayne's like buddy, yeah, because he seemed he seemed nice and not as annoying as Eddie Redmayne. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, what white actor was missing from this cast? 
Oh, that's a good well, A male, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we couldn't put a, a <laughs> slot of woman in there. No, God forbid. Um, okay, let me think about this. I feel like we want someone who's like in their like 40s or 50s. Like who is in that? I feel like I, you know who? I feel like Matt Damon could have been in here mm, someplace. Like that, this, like him in a suit with his like little horn rim glasses. Yeah. Showing up. He could have been a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. That's who I'm going to slot in. I think um, I obviously don't know who he'd play, I guess, but we were talking about him and I guess uh, Bill Murray could have maybe fit in this cast somehow i think in a he could have been in in the hippie he could have been like a hippie mentor (laughs) yeah the guy doing the war chant maybe he could have replaced yes yes uh um if you had to go on vacation with the cast would you choose to either go on the vacation with the cast of the chicago seven or on vacation with the cast of hubie halloween Mm, it's really the date the chicago seven really who yes i do not like adam sandler right but but hubie halloween had like a lot of different types of people in it i feel like where this was just like you and and like 40 white old guys but just imagine them on a cruise ship together like comedians just wouldn't you rather do julie bowen and maya rudolph like being stuck in an snl week where you're just like forced to laugh at these people who think they're so funny all the time it's my personal hell shelby that's basically our podcast (laughs) but there's only one of you you. having to endure me (laughs) yeah oh it's hard Rude. Uh, clearly, the correct answer is Hubie Halloween. Yeah, I'm going okay. on vacation with the Hubie people every day. Yeah. Um, Kevin James, you don't want to hang out with <laughs> Kevin James. No, I do not. <laughs> um, also, I think you bring up Hubie Halloween a strange amount. Like, are you being paid by someone? Is this some mm-hmm. other spawn yes. con moment you have? A- Adam Sandler is actually my dad. Yeah. I don't. I never brought that up earlier, but that's the truth. Oh man, I'm sorry. Um, so who do you most relate to in the Chicago Seven or anyone in the movie? I guess. I mean, honestly, if I was in the Chicago 7, I would be Eddie Redmayne. Like, that's not even a question. I would be the one who's like, we gotta follow the rules. Yeah, that's sweet. I mean, he went on to be like a senator, too. So is that in your future? or No, I'd be a bad politician. (laughs) Yeah. But if if I was starting a, like, protest, I would be... The one I would be the like most like, did we call the zoning ordinance? Like that's the my that's the energy I would be bringing to that. I would not be the, like the the, uh, the hippie like what? Yes, I would not be doing that. Yeah. I guess maybe I would be the the conscientious objector who like finally just loses it and punches the guy. Like that could also be me. Yeah, I don't know. Did you really relate to one of these? Oh, um, you know, I don't. I don't think so, really. I feel like I, yeah, I'm not the hippie, and I'm also not, like, as straight-laced as Eddie Redmayne. I'd probably be, like, the uh, undercover cop who feels guilty about it after. You know, <laughs> she she just felt guilty. You She didn't have a line after uh, revealing herself, but her eyes 
showed that she felt like she was on the wrong side of history. Yeah, she sort of just disappeared. Like yeah. she was there and I thought she was going to be a bigger character and then she was just no, gone. She showed up at the end in the audience and she, she, I think ended up giving some eyes in oh, favor. She, like, of stood the, up yeah, and yeah. Yeah. Clap or something. Okay. It's good for her. Um, okay. Pitch me a better movie than this one that with the title, the trial of the Chicago seven. I have no idea what that even means. Like a fictional trial that involves seven people in particular in Chicago. Yes. Like in Chicago, like what, like if you were just given that title and you're like, make a movie with this title, what is the movie? Oh my gosh. I honestly don't even know Chicago. I'm locked and loaded. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Tell me, tell me. I want like some, I want like some kind of trial that's like a heist. That's like, there's like a oh. heist trial of some Friday. Like, like they like eight, but in trial yes. form. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, like they, like they did some, like, okay. So they robbed something and then now they're on this trial, but the trial is also sort of like part of the con, like, you know, like the judge mm. is in on it and the jury or whatever, like the whole thing is orchestrated, but it's a heist. That's curious because I'm just wondering what they're stealing that's of value, you know? Like, I. Jewels, <laughs> gold bars, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, that sounds good. I feel like I would want something sort of meta. And I guess I don't know. My first instinct was like, are there seven actors from Chicago that we the could. The musical? No. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> It's Catherine Zeta-Jones. You're on trial. (laughs) From the city who then have to compete. I guess because I was thinking more of like Boston and then you'd have like, you obviously have Matt Damon and Affleck and um, Mm -hmm. uh, that guy from The Office who's married to Emily Blunt. And so I guess I can't even think of anyone from Chicago that would make that work, but just kind of a battle of the band style, like to pick who's the best Chicagoian. Oh, okay, yeah, like a time trial yeah, of the yeah. Chicago 7 or something. Yeah. They're all bike riders. Or, okay, <laughs> yeah. yes, okay, gotcha. Okay, okay, I, I can see it. I'd watch that. Yeah, but I have to find out who's from Chicago because I guess I can't think of a There have one. to be people from <laughs> Chicago. I don't know. Uh, um, okay, my only other question was, do you think this will be nominated for anything but acting? Huh. Well, it's Aaron Sorkin, so I could see it getting nominated for a screenplay. Because um, screenplay is also a little cushier because there's the 10 <laughs> nomination slots. I mean, I, I could, I feel like at this current moment, I could see it getting a Best Picture nominee. Mm, I don't know that there's, that there's 10. Because didn't they make it now where there's just 10 automatically? Wasn't that a thing? Oh, they I did at know. some point, or maybe I made that up. But anyways, if there's ten Best Picture nominees, I don't know that I can come up with <laughs> ten movies that I feel like are going to be better off yeah, than this. That's true, you know. <laughs> Sad year. I mean, if you're like *The Five Bloods* and *Tenet*, you know, it's like <laughs> try to find like throw in invisible man like i don't know emma there's just not a ton yeah. available that i feel like is going to be competing against this well so. we still got promising young woman and uh wonder woman coming out so i mean there's there there is a lot of stuff coming out <laughs> so ma rainey's black box you yeah. know rebecca like there's things coming <laughs> i don't know how good they will be but there are wait things, are you so. a rebecca stan too do i need to prepare myself for the rebecca spawn con 
Uh, well, I haven't seen the movie, I know, so I don't know but if it's you've good. But it I, I did lot. like the book. Okay, okay. I like the book. Did you read the book? I don't it's like something you'd be honestly. into. I think I did once, like when I was younger, like when I was a bougie teenager who thought she was cool. Okay, okay. So I'm gonna have to deal with condescending <laughs> remarks about Rebecca on the whatever no, episode honestly, we did. This is the other. <laughs> this is a tangent, but I've never really been into that. Um, what is it? What's the vibe of that called? Like gothic. Yeah, sort of? I've never really been into it. Like Jane Eyre, um, <gasps> the one with the Heath. Wuthering Heights. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, nah. I don't care. <laughs> I'm much more on this is just so tangential but I'm much more into the like age of innocence like proper like you know the the, the like like a Victorian kind of a thing yeah okay yeah <laughs> that are was you, my vibe are you more Jane Austen is that yeah. is like, that a, also Jane a vibe you like over okay over the Brontes for sure I guess that makes sense because I'm more of a spooky person than you are. <laughs> so I would like, you know, the creepy old mansion and like yeah. the, the the old like, like the housekeeper who is dudes. maybe trying yeah. to kill the new wife. Yes, that's they're very always just like the worst love interest. They're just such toxic male figures. Whereas at least in Jane Austen, you get some some good eggs. You know what I just thought of now of like husband brings wife home to weird house was last year's amazing film ready or not <laughs> famously better than parasite yeah. oh yeah we're just all over the place now so maybe we should wrap okay yeah this yes we'll be back next week i'm not sh- uh, sh- what did we what did we say we were i think we're covering watch? your favorite anne hathaway oh yes the witches the anne hathaway witches. yeah mm, can't <laughs> wait cannot wait we'll be talking about that next week but also follow us on instagram and twitter at PSU wrong because we have a giveaway that is coming up and also leave us a review um if you want to fight over the spot of my soulmate you know that's that's up for grab in the review <laughs> section um, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.